Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, gang. Weekside podcast, playoff edition. Jenny Frentis is here. I'm Connor Orr. And, uh, you know, we're not going to be talking a whole lot about the playoffs, oddly, because the coaching cycle, carousel, whatever you want to call it, went absolutely crazy. And we're recording this on uh, Tuesday the 7th. So you have just sort of a... uh, concept of what's going on here. The Panthers have made a hire. The Giants have made a hire. The Browns are the only team left as of the recording of this podcast that has not chosen their next head coaching candidate. We're going to get into all that. We're going to get into where we're headed um, this weekend for the divisional round of the playoffs. But Jenny, I think what I think merits conversation immediately, right, is that Matt Rule was hired by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Joe Judge was hired by the New York Giants. That leaves uh, four uh, minority coaches as head coaching candidates, um, barring something going on with Cleveland, um, you know, maybe Robert Sala, Eric Bieniemy. There are some people that were in the mix. Um, it looks like another really bad year for the Rooney Rule process as a whole. And I think this is something that with the Super Bowl coming up and Roger Goodell speaking publicly again is something that he's certainly going to have to answer for after bringing it up at last year's Super Bowl press conference, like he had a plan to fix this. It seems like whatever plan is in motion has not taken hold immediately because this is another kind of bleak 
cycle, I think, for minority coaching candidates. Yeah, last year was particularly notable because five of the eight head coaches fired last season were non-white coaches, and then just one non-white coach was hired, Brian Flores. And so if it stands with Rivera, that'll be just three non-white coaches hired over the last three years, I believe, um, if Rivera is the the only non-white coach hired in this cycle. So clearly there's a... A big problem to fix, but I do think you know any plan in place probably you wouldn't see the impact of it immediately. I think there's a a lot of problems you know with advancement of coaches through the pipeline of where you're looking for coaches and what roles that there's this you know stereotype of uh, you need to be a quarterbacks coach or an offensive coordinator. Of course, that's not exclusive. Many of the coaches in this cycle don't fit that, but that does seem to be what has been popular over the last few years. And generally that is fed by people who have played the quarterback position, which has been largely white over the last three decades. And so I think you sort of see people getting pushed or pigeonholed into roles and offensive coordinators not coming from tight ends coaches or running backs coaches or other positions um, on on the field. So I think an examination is you know, necessary of figuring out lower on the pipeline of getting assistant coaches to coordinator roles, and then those coordinators can become head coaches. But I think underlying it all is really the fact that majority of owners in the league are white, and they, you you know, we have this, people hire what they're comfortable with. And I think that is those kind of entrenched racial biases are really affecting the process. I think that they're sliding towards like it's almost like a, a, a political campaign where maybe it's not the most, you know, based in truth fact, but it's the one that sticks. Right. It's something that that sticks in your mind and is hard for people to shake, you know, without kind of going too deep into it. And I think there are two kind of big optical issues with this cycle in particular. I mean, you know, a lot of people have brought up correctly that Jim Caldwell was let go in Detroit and still in the the time that he was there in one season had more wins than Matt Patricia has accumulated in his time there. And I think that that is on one side and on the other side, you know, Joe Judge, who was just hired by the Giants, has never called any plays. And isn't that sort of the one thing that everyone uses as a knock against Eric Bieniemy, despite the fact that all of Andy Reid's other offensive coordinators have been hired and you know brought into other jobs and I just think it's one of those things where you know nuance aside whatever you want to say to combat that these are they're starting to stack up against the NFL and they're very difficult sort of optical problems for them to sidestep yeah and what is the solution you know people have mentioned a, a Rooney rule for interviewing for coordinator jobs of course the Rooney rule is both good and bad you know it expands the search for some owners who might not have considered candidates outside of people who look like them but at the same time there are a lot of minority coaches that don't like the Rooney rule because you feel like you're a token interview Um, I really think, you know, I I do think there's that gap from the position coach to the coordinator level. So I do think there there could be some value in a Rooney rule at that level. But 
again, like we face this issue in all aspects of society. How do you overcome and change entrenched racial biases with people might not even realize, right? It's their own blind spot that they have. And, uh, you know, the, the judge hire, we'll get to it a little bit later. I mean, I actually like that is like a team that's maybe it doesn't work, but at least they're thinking outside of the box mm-hmm. a little bit. Like at least it's considering that you can be a leader and come from a different pipeline than, you know, calling the offensive plays. Um, so I think, you know, we always say, you know, head coach hires, we wish that there would be a little bit of a, a shakeup in, in how teams look at them. Um, and it's hard to pick out any one situation and say, hey, this this particular hire is a reflection of the fact that the Rooney rule doesn't work. But collectively over the past few years, they're there clearly has been a failure. Yeah. It's I, I think the one thing about, you know, I think two years ago what the Raiders did expressly admitting that for the last three years that they wanted to hire John Gruden and bulldozing over the Rooney rule is on one side of the issue. You could argue that maybe Dallas did that a little bit with Mike McCarthy this year, even though they did satisfy the rule and they did talk to Marvin Lewis for the vacancy. But I don't think we had uh, as egregious of a violation. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I've talked to Tony Dungy about this. It, it, It nobody seems to be just inhabiting the spirit of the rule, which is to stop and to think about what's going on and to consider all of your options. And we'll get to the rule higher too, but this was a one-day meeting in Waco that turned out to be essentially like a bidding war for this guy to not let him leave the meeting room. And how much are you really thinking about, you know, all the other candidates that you'd interviewed at that moment? How much are you weighing all the options on, uh, on your plate? And I don't know, it just seems like nobody is embodying the spirit of the rule that, you know, the the person who created it will tell you uh, got him Mike Tomlin, who's one of the best coaches in the NFL. And I think this is where the the speed of the hiring cycle really uh, works against that happening because teams are just you think you like a guy if he leaves the building he'll go somewhere else and and, and I don't know the right way to fix that but like if there was like a you know, like we see in free agency, you know, a tampering (laughs) window or something. Of course, that's been a sham as well. So all of these, any kind of artificial window you would put in place ends up becoming a sham. So maybe that's not the right thing. But it's just so hard because you have the, you have to make a decision so quickly. And so you just say, hey, I'm going to not open my mind to where a good head coach might come from. You meet someone you're comfortable with and you've got to get the deal done right there. And I don't think that helps either. We'll see. I mean, like you said, uh, at, at least at the recording of this podcast, the Cleveland Browns still have yet to make a hire, maybe with no pressure on them anywhere else. And they can kind of take their time and and maybe embody that spirit and think about the rule a little bit. And we'll see. But um, we have a lot to get to. Like I said, we'll break down all the coaching hires. We'll talk a little bit about um, the playoffs this weekend. We have our normal segments. And Jenny, the Bachelor is back. I'm very excited. We're going to add a little bit of Bachelor talk here to the end of the show. Got some good NFL comparisons there. I've got a dry sense of humor, but I promise you the rest of the show is going to be very exciting. We'll be back after this. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. 
It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to the news, Jenny. What do we got here at number one? The Carolina Panthers on Tuesday signed former Baylor head coach Matt Rule to a seven-year deal that could be worth as much as $70 million with incentives, blowing the lid off both conventional decision-making and conventional coaching salaries. Except if you're John Gruden. Oh. With Lincoln Riley sitting out of the dance, Rule felt like the ultimate darling of the cycle. What do you make of this major swing from first-time coach hirer David Tepper? 
That's an interesting thing on his resume, like head head fund manager and now coach hire. Right. He can say that now. Right. Well, <laughs> I think it's on paper it looks like a good hire. Mm-hmm. He's turned around two college programs. I think there's always a difference between college and the NFL, so you're always projecting on some level. But you're right. He did emerge as the the hot candidate in this cycle that was outside of the NFL realm. I think that this the length of the contract is one of those things that it, you know it's sort of it's one upping the Kyle Shanahan John Lynch deal where six years felt abnormally long at this point and now seven years. Um, and I guess that is your out front commitment to saying, hey, no matter how weird or bad this gets in the first two years, we're really sticking with this. And I think that regardless of how it works out, I do think it is good that the owner is giving himself a long view because that's how college hires seem to fail traditionally, right? Is that they don't have success in the first year because they're acclimating to the league and kind of how things work and just the stuff that people don't tell you and don't want you to know. And after that, maybe they hit the ground running, but they just don't have enough time to turn around. Seven years is enough time to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's encouraging. I... I'm surprised a little bit that I didn't think the Panthers job was high on my list of available openings. Mm-hmm. I think the quarterback uncertainty is a big question mark. Now, of course, you always hear the stories of when Frank Reich interviewed for the Colts job. He didn't ask about Luck's health. Uh, he wanted the job regardless. So, you know, there's other, obviously other parts to a roster and there's a lot of ways to address that position. But I, I thought it was lower on the list among the openings because of that. Where was your, what was your number one? I think we talked about this, right? Well, I, I thought that the Giants was Same. a pretty good situation. Yeah. I mean, the one drawback there, of course, is Gettleman. But if if you're a candidate that has a lot of pull and that they really wanted, you know, maybe you could have made a power. Like, you know, if, if someone was interviewing for the job and they were considering the openings and, you know, I don't know, maybe you could make some demands in that area, but... I think that the Panthers hire is interesting because the more that we blend NFL and college and maybe the more that every year we get one of these Matt rules that comes up and becomes this person that you feel like you have to have. I think one of the interesting practices that Tepper is doing, and we saw the Eagles do it with Chip Kelly and a couple times where you're making investments almost like a college is in a college head coach. Like, you know... it's the NFL equivalent of agreeing to a new building, a new facility, right? Like we're going to invest in sports science. We're going to invest in whatever it is that you do at college with an unlimited blank check budget. We're going to help bring it to the NFL. And at the worst, I don't think that this can be bad for players, right? You know, and, and maybe it's a more accommodating environment for players. You know, teams are at least going to be forced to spend more of their, you know, gigantic profits on improving the product and not just, you know, assuming that, hey, I'm one of these 32 teams, so I'm just going to get one of these guys by default anyway. And this was Tepper's chance really to make a mark on the program. As you mentioned, it's his first time hiring a head coach. This is his way of saying, this is where I want this team to go. And he, he did well this hiring cycle. This was a coveted candidate. He was able to land him. So however the move works out, it does speak well to him that he was able to land a top candidate, even with a lot of uncertainties uh, on that roster. 
when uh, in the summer, uh, you've joined it a couple times. We do a podcast where we have a few adult beverages and we watch uh, movies. And you had said that uh, when you watch a movie, sometimes there's a feeling of you being trapped that you don't like because it's a two hour commitment. Right. And that, you know, it's hard to get out of there. And the odd sort of theme that is emerging here in the this head coaching cycle. Mike McCarthy was at Jerry Jones's house and he didn't want him to leave. Matt rules in this meeting room with David Tepper and he doesn't want him to leave. As a person who doesn't like to be trapped, would that be weird if you recorded as a head coaching candidate and they're like, Jenny, we don't want, you can't leave this room until you agree to sign this. I think if they were giving me 70 million, <laughs> I would find a way to overcome this fear of mine, Connor. So that's the secret, that's ultimately. That's the secret, ultimately. Okay. <laughs> Good to know for uh, the next season of that podcast. So this, uh, I think, is interesting. Uh, our second news topic in the immediate aftermath of the rule hire. This was about, I would say, an hour after the news broke that he was signing with the Panthers. The New York Giants announced their pact with special teams coordinator and one-year wide receivers coach Joe Judge of the Patriots. Um, They were the only team to bring him in this cycle. And I think in the moment, there were many hurried tweets, some of them with kind of conflicting information that, you know, this was no, no, this was the guy that they wanted all along. They didn't actually want Matt Rule. Matt Rule was one of many people that they were interested in. And the timing of this should not be read into in any way, shape or form is they just agreed to terms. And, you know, Matt Rule picking the, the Panthers had nothing to do with this. I don't know how much I buy that. I think they liked Matt Rule. I think, you know, NFL Network eventually reported that Rule called them and said, hey, here's the deal. Do you guys want to match this? And then I'll get on the plane. And they said no. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think of Joe Judge? And also, do you think that he was their first choice? The optics are bad for the Giants because of the timing, because of the fact that Matt Rule was born in New York City Mm -hmm. and you know, didn't come and meet with the team from his hometown. I mean, there's all of these things. And of course, you know, then the judge hiring coming out right after the rule hiring as if to say, no, 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 like, and let's just fix this. I mean, it smacks a little bit of like the narrative that like the Ravens were the only team in the league that identified Lamar Jackson when the reality is they also drafted a backup tight end before (laughs) him in the first round. So they they didn't know for sure that he was going to become what he's become because if so, they would have drafted him at 16 or wherever their first pick was in that round. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, so it does, I mean, but of course you get, you're making the hire. You want to get the narrative out there that this was your first pick all along. Now I, you know, I don't actually have a problem with the pick. I mean, I don't at all. All I can say about it is I don't really have a great feel for how it will work, and I don't know that the Giants know for sure either. Because again, like you're making a big projection here, but I do like the idea that, like, okay, you're you're as we mentioned earlier, kind of thinking outside the box a little bit. You're, you know, considering that a leader can come from anywhere on on a team. You know, I'm sure Belichick gave a strong reference. I'm sure Nick Saban gave a strong reference. Those are two people that the Giants value highly. So, you know, that doesn't mean anything, obviously, because we've seen plenty of coaches from the Belichick tree fail. So maybe it's really not outside that outside the box. You're just getting another Belichick assistant. But I do like the idea that, like, a good coach can come from anywhere in the roster and that your experience leading special teams, which, Connor, this is really in your wheelhouse here, <laughs> but, you know, players from all across the roster – bottom of the roster players, bringing out the best in in everyone. I mean, Brian Flores is looking like a successful hire from the Belichick tree, and he had experience on special teams. You know, he worked with Matthew Slater and helped him become this special teams ace that he is. So, you know, we're going to get to, you know, obviously Harbaugh and then 
Dave Tobe, Connor, uh, who hasn't had a head coach job, but has been hired several times. Yeah. Or I, has been interviewed, excuse me. So uh, in doing reporting for this podcast, I did contact the president of the Dave Tobe Society for comment. Uh, it was me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're just, we're not going to uh, talk at this time. I think I don't think it's the it, right it's time. It's a difficult time? I think it's bittersweet. Okay. I think if you're looking for the guy, he's been the guy. Uh, I think ESPN released, um, they do their advanced special teams metrics. And we're we're way in the weeds now. I I, I acknowledge that, but that we've touched the nerve with the Tobe thing. So I have to feel this out. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've advocated for Dave Tobe to be a head coach for like the last four seasons. I think he's going to be an excellent head coach at some point. But he just had his worst season as a special teams coordinator, according to their metrics, in his entire time as a special teams coordinator. And guess what place he finished in? Third, ninth, ninth. Oh, Your wow. worst season ever was the ninth okay. best special teams unit in the NFL. Yeah, come on. Yeah, all right. No, it's it's a it's a convincing case. I I think there's a lot of evidence. You know, I think the one risk for the Giants. We talked a couple of weeks ago that like they can't afford to miss this hire. Yeah, he, they missed on Ben McAdoo, first time head coach. They missed on Shermer, second time head coach. So what is the right formula? What is a so called safe hire? And the reality is. There isn't really a safe hire. So I guess they liked a guy and that's what they went with. But yeah, I mean, the optics with the rule situation and the timing of it are bad and certainly do not help to offset this, you know, there's a a lot of questions swirling around the Giants facility, right? For keeping Dave Gettleman and some of the decisions they've made and the fact that they've now overturned coaches twice, you know, two, two coaches in the last four seasons and they're moving on to their third. So... I don't know that this necessarily answers those, but you know, I don't, I, I don't, I think it's an interesting decision, and you know, I think he could be a very good head coach. Exactly, check mark in the column of way to not just hire on Pat Shermer again, mm-hmm. basically, right? You mm-hmm. know, and and there were certainly opportunities to do exactly that, and there was four or five of the same kind of offensive coordinator of the moment that you could have hired um, and, and used the excuse that this is good for Daniel Jones and and just kind of plotted along on your path, and you didn't. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's good. The bad is that this team is one higher away from, and I think you and I kind of have a unique insight on this because we live in the market and we understand the uniqueness of the market. I think they're one bad higher away from becoming the Knicks or the, I don't know, uh, what are similarly dysfunctional New York teams? I mean, the not the Jets, because I, I don't think they're ever going to go there. Um, the Mets? The Mets. You know, maybe something like that, where it's a team that wins championships from now and then, but is mostly defined in the moment by instability and organizational failure, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're probably a, a ways from that. But That's you're, true. you're right in the reputation has taken a big hit. And yeah. it's a far way away from, you know, the respect that it had for much of the earlier part of this millennium. Here's what I want to hear, though, because you and I just ran down every reason why you would hire a special teams coordinator, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Give me something beyond that. I'm going to need something beyond that. Like, every person that Belichick hires is smart. He hires smart people. Um, Everyone that Belichick hires works hard. You know, they work long hours. This is every single person that we've read about that has come from this tree. 
I need something else here. Like, what has he done that's like that in in the in the interview that made you say, "Holy smokes!" Like, this is guy's gonna be great for the entire team. You well, know, that's where I think they need a good PR strategy. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about like Gettleman not doing himself any favors with his public comments. Yeah. And I think in this situation, they've got to make sure that they clearly convey exactly what you just said beyond, oh, my gosh, he's got this Belichick and Saban to tie. Uh, what makes him individually special and what makes you convinced that he will succeed. One of the biggest questions he'll face is, you know, who if you're hiring – let me back up a second. We talked before, what direction will the Giants go? Because now twice they've hired offensive-minded guys, play callers that failed, right? Mm-hmm. So what? So they've gone with a slightly different direction. But the problem when you hire a, a special teams coach is then, is the offensive coordinator good? And then if he's too good, you could lose him. And then do you have more turnover on that side? Yeah. So I think that is always the question when you're developing a quarterback. And that's why a lot of teams go with the play calling head coach because they figure that at least they know that he'll stay Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah so what Gettleman cannot do this time right is come out with the equivalent of I watched him for three series at the senior bowl you know like there has to be when he was in I don't I mean you know whatever when he was coaching at Mississippi State there was a group of bulldogs that were trying to ford a river and he put the entire you know the ship was broken and he fixed it and he pushed it you know something like that i need that's that's kind of what i'm what, what i think is necessary but anyway another head coaching hire we got to get to now all right topic number three the dallas cowboys hired former packers head coach mike mccarthy earlier this week to be their new head coach replacing jason garrett who had been the team's head coach since 1987 <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just was, was a good I mean, one. it seemed, you know, it seemed accurate, so. That was a good one. Jones is clearly spelling out his desperation to win a title with this hire, but is Mike McCarthy the coach who can deliver on those high expectations? What do you think? I I think um he is betting on this there's two gambles you can make. You can either make the Matt Rule gamble and gamble that it's sort of the um, high risk, high reward that a great college coach can become a great pro coach and transform your program, or you're betting that a once great head coach is willing to change. And I think both of those carry with it a certain amount of risk. Yeah. I'm sure part of the Cowboys process was learning what McCarthy learned in this last year of self-reflection. What did he do? How did he try to get better? I think coach like Adam Gase has come up a lot. Like would a year off have been good for him so that he could reevaluate, you know, a year off uh, away from the game humbles you a little bit. And it it does allow for self-reflection. I, I always feel like that's the way to go. Of course, the risk then is do you ever get a chance again? Mm -hmm. And I thought after McCarthy didn't take a job in the last cycle, it was fair to wonder if he'd go the way of like Brian Billick and never get another opportunity. So I think he's obviously done enough in the last year to show teams that he has adapted, that he's learned, that he'll have a slightly different approach. And of course, he he had success in Green Bay. So it was interesting that the narrative the last few seasons in Green Bay and the criticism that came his way, I think, really put a dent in the success that he had leading the Definitely. Packers to a Super Bowl and success for many years with Rodgers. Like it was, it was almost like that was a distant memory. So um, 
So I think Jones is is hiring based on that experience and also based on the ability to learn from things that might have gone wrong. If there is such a thing as a safe hire, this was probably the safest one you could have made this year, I would guess, right? Yeah, just a wealth of experience dealing with a superstar quarterback, <laughs> leading a team to a Super Bowl. Absolutely. I posed this question on Twitter, and I'd be interested to get your take. So he had to stay at Jerry Jones's house the night before, um, and then in the morning, I think the deal was finalized. And the, I think the quote that Adam Schefter tweeted was, once you stay at Jerry's house, he gets his man, or something like that. If if that happened, like I always wonder, like if you're the head coach and you're staying at the owner's house, is your ultimate inclination to wake up earlier than the owner and to be like at his breakfast table breaking down film because you want to show him that this is what you do normally? Or are you trying to be a good house guest and be just a good person and get the job? In which case, you know, whenever I'm staying at someone's house, I kind of just like stay in the bedroom until I hear them wake up and then I act like I had a restful night's sleep and then come down and join, you know, the party. Maybe there's some middle ground here. <laughs> Maybe you wait till you hear some stirring in the kitchen and then you burst in, arms full of surface tablet and some, <laughs> some coaching manuals and be like, yeah, I was just catching up on some morning reading, got a oh, few good hours that's in. that's the move. Yeah, that's oh, it. And then God. say like, oh, I'm really hungry for breakfast, really worked up an appetite. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and you probably like pick some coach that you know Jerry loves and you come in with his like book or something. Oh, Like if it was, Bel- if it was Belichick, which, okay, this analogy is spun off the rails because Belichick isn't hiring. But like, you know, you walk in with, you make some Paul Brown analogy. Oh. Or like, you know what I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta hit the sweet spot a little. Yeah. God. And here I thought there was only like, you know, one or two answers. And then you come in with the perfect answer. I mean, there's, there is no yes and no. That's it. I mean, that's, that's the one, man. That was good. I, see, I, I don't know. I would have, I would have probably gotten up at like 4.30. You know what? Um, our colleague Mitch Goldich uh, brought up an interesting uh, fourth option, oh. which was to get up before the owner and to get your workout in so that when he uh. wakes up, you are already like engaged and like sweaty and just I don't know what that does to the aesthetic in that situation, but just ready to go. Uh I don't know, and that's just another option. Okay, and then maybe make a, a pot of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A friend recently said that she learned from Martha Stewart that the secret to a good pot of coffee is a pinch of nutmeg and a pinch of salt. No kidding. But she told this to another friend of ours who then dumped like an entire <laughs> tablespoon of salt in the coffee grounds, and that didn't work out. So if you're going to go that route, be careful. So you're gonna, you put it in the coffee I grounds? I guess so. Like a, just a sprinkle, though, not a, not a tablespoon. Interesting. Shout out to Charlotte. Wow. And then do you, well, and, and, and again, I'm gonna, this is the last one because this is f- far off the rails, but you know, I would be worried about staying at a rich person's house. They definitely have a coffee maker that I don't know how to use. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm thinking like, of like us humble people that have like the $20 Mr. Coffee Pot. I have a $20. Yeah. Uh, it's like Saboli or something. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've got the like, yeah. That's what I'm drink thinking coffee. of. Well, that yeah. would, yeah. So you're right. Maybe, maybe don't, maybe but skip do, the coffee. Do you make the, like if you're staying at someone's house and you're up first, I guess it depends on how well you know them, but would you just make the coffee? Probably not. No. That seems a little you bold. You would wait for them to ask you to make the coffee. It's very fraught staying at a person's house, especially when you don't know very well. It terrifies me. Yeah. The entire process, which blows... Like, this is the third year in a row that we've had, like, sleepover stories Absolutely. in the coaching cycle. It's Vic very Fangio, Mike Munchak slept over John Elway's house, like... 
and they just talk about it like it's this normal thing. And I guess maybe since it's a nomadic life, you're used to sleeping on couches and, you know, and, and doing that for a large period of your time. But so is journalism. And it freaks me out every time I have to do it. It's making me panic <laughs> just thinking about right. it. Okay. So let's move on then uh, with uh, news item number four. Joe Judge uh, is obviously leaving the Patriots. The Cleveland Browns have requested an interview with Josh McDaniels. Perhaps he is their candidate of choice there. The tides of change seem to be washing upon Foxborough. Does that go for the quarterback position as well? Or do we think that the murkiness surrounding Tom Brady's future is simply the kind of blather that we fill the void with when in reality there's just a bunch of adults trying to make important life decisions and there's nothing to say right now? I do think it's blather right now for the reason that I don't know that anybody knows the answer. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's a worthwhile conversation on the other hand in the sense that there are a lot of possibilities right Mm -hmm. now. I was in Foxborough this past weekend and I think you really just get the vibe that nothing has been determined, that they were trying to get through the season, that there are a lot of factors at play. As you mentioned, McDaniel's future, you know, there's... A lot of changes that could go on with the Patriots, you know, Casario, members of their front office who are no longer under contract. Uh, You know, there's a number of core players who are going to be free agents in addition to Tom Brady. But Brady will be a free agent for the first time in his 20-year career, and that gives him some freedom and flexibility. On the other hand, Connor, it's not entirely in his hands. Like, right. there's the factor of, okay, obviously the Crafts want Brady back, but does Belichick want Brady back? Will they be able to agree to terms? If he looks elsewhere, what other teams are interested in and at what price? Are there, uh, how many teams will have vacancies at the quarterback position and would be able to financially and, you know, commit to bringing someone like Brady? And so there's a lot of factors at play here. And so the... Um, I saw a lot of discussion of Brady kind of being at peace for once this decision's in his hands. And that's partly true, but it's also partly out of his hands. It's weird because for the first time in his life, he could be wooed. Right. right. There could be some wooing. And well, this I mean, is... first time in his football life. True. Well, well, well no, probably, <laughs> I mean, yeah, first time in his football. I mean, recruiting to college, I guess. Although, you know. Yeah, there's probably okay, a little yes, bit of wooing yes, there. It, yeah. Yes, in the NFL career. One would assume in his personal life he yeah. was the one that had to do the wooing I would guess I don't know I, I'm, I'm not an expert on that but yeah I don't I don't know how I don't I don't want to speculate on <laughs> yeah. uh, on romantic lives but, but in football yes in football, okay yeah like imagine if you know I, I don't know like, I mean everyone has said the Chargers because that's just the, he has a house there and they're desperate for attention and that's just mm-hmm. kind of you know the thing but like I don't know what if them or the Bears or any of these teams pick him up at the airport in a limo and take him to their facility and show him all the great things he's done which mm-hmm. We know Bill Belichick just isn't one to do. He's the, He wants to criticize him and he wants to get on him and he wants to rile up Tommy so he plays better. And what if finally it's like, we want you and we're going to pay more than any other quarterback to have you. You're necessary here for everything. I wonder what that does to somebody, you know? Right. It's an, it's an It'll be a new experience for him if that's the case. You mentioned, yeah, two teams. You know, the Bears obviously have missed on the Trubisky pick. The Chargers, in all likelihood, will move on from Rivers, and so he'll have options there. So they have to figure out which direction they want to go in. But I think the question becomes, what do you think Tom Brady wants at this juncture? 
people have said he's not going to end his career on a pick six. And like, I'm not sure that I'm a person that like gets caught up in like what the ending looks like. Joe like, Montana ended his career on an interception. Exactly. Yeah. Favre. Like, I think that there's, I think we get too caught up in the ending. But if he's going to continue to play, is it being resolute that he will play till age 45? Is it winning another championship away from the Patriots to prove that he can do it on the on his own? Is it winning another championship with the Patriots? So I think, and maybe he doesn't know the answer to any of those questions, like what he's looking for in the final chapter of his career. You know, it's amazing for um, people of that status and that level. I mean, our old boss, Peter King, uh, you know, visited Brady and his, he's got a home in Montana, among other places, and he had time to reflect there and make a decision. I could probably make a good life decision if I could disappear to like Jackson Hole for five days in, in, in a really nice place and clear my mind. But, you know, I don't know. I'm just not, not an option for, for everybody. Yeah, know? I mean, I think it's sort of unfair to expect that some kind of decision would have been made at this point because you're trying to get through the season was he was dealing with a lot of injuries, which require a lot of treatment mm-hmm. time. You know, you're trying to get all these young offensive players who don't know the system very well or new offensive players on board. And so I just think there wasn't a lot of time to even consider. Like, you know, people talk about like, well, how do you put that away and not think about it? I think it's pretty easy to put it away when like every day, every minute of every day is like devoted to yeah. a singular task, yeah. right? Like yeah. you're totally consumed. Like you don't you don't actually have the time to think about those other things. So now he has the time. The season ending this early has given him a lot of time. And I, I, I do think it's going to be a fascinating spring for the Patriots. Here's one thing that I can't get past that I think is fascinating about all this. And I think someone brought up the Belichick quote about, you know, uh, he often laments after winning the Super Bowl that, oh, it stinks because we're five weeks behind on our preparation for, you know, the, the upcoming season. So how do you reconcile, you know, if this guy is such a controlling person that needs everything planned out to not know who your starting quarterback is going to be, or at least who you think he's going to be is stunning to me. My prediction is that he'll stay in new England. Mm -hmm. Tony Romo said as much on the CBS. That was interesting. Yeah. Now Chris Collinsworth went the other way the next day and said the chargers as if, you know, he threw that one out, but I just think the likeliest option is that Brady stays in New England. I think the Crafts will work hard to make it happen, but I think Brady has to want that, and I think Bill has to want that. I want him in Chicago. Wow. I really do. Okay, interesting, interesting. What, you think the, the, you know, he'd want to play with the defense there? Play or? with the defense there and, and maybe Matt Nagy and like kind of a different kind of highly touted play caller and I think that the Bears could sell it because they're like here's this floundering rookie that is in need of some confidence well here's the best quarterback of all time watch him play for a season and then build yourself up and then reemerge from the cocoon more Tom Brady-esque the year after that. Interesting. Alright on that note we'll Just move on to the last topic. Hey, there are playoffs this weekend. (laughs) I, Jenny Rentis, will be in Baltimore to see the Ravens take on the Tennessee Titans. Connor will be in Kansas City to see the Chiefs welcome the Houston Texans. Let's talk about that. So we're we're AFC heavy. We're like Jade Roper making her draft Kings picks and going with all the (laughs) AFC quarterbacks (laughs) while her husband Tanner went with all the NFC. So we're Uh, we're AFC here. Yes. Jade won a million (laughs) dollars. Hopefully that is also in our future. Yes. Um, Okay. 
Okay, so for me in Baltimore, I, I think the most interesting thing is just thinking about where they were a year ago. Like, I was at their wild card game where they lost to the Chargers. Lamar Jackson struggled at halftime. There was questions, should they go back to Joe Flacco? And Harbaugh said he asked, he was asking people on the sideline, you know, and they ultimately stuck with Jackson, which didn't, they didn't win the game, but I think it was an important outcome and building his long-term confidence and Harbaugh saying, you're my guy, and ultimately probably set the stage for this season. Then he had a whole offseason to rework the offense. Greg Roman was promoted to offensive coordinator. You know, James Urban has sent in a lot of the passing concepts, and so you have this MVP season. So I think it's just a, it's, it's a pretty remarkable – this is why I voted for Harbaugh as coach of the year because he's really committed to building a system around Lamar Jackson, creating this environment where his special talents have flourished – and, you know, so they're in a much different spot than they were a year ago. But and, can they translate into playoff success? Yeah, I just think interesting. I, I don't think there's a defense that now that New England is gone, I don't know who slows them down in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And, and maybe Tennessee is that team. I mean, mm-hmm. they've played well and like Baltimore. They like to take time off the clock. They could put the Ravens in a position where they have to score faster than they used to. I don't know. That's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah. All right. You're going to Arrowhead. I am. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been to Arrowhead in a long time. I'm I'm very excited. Uh, I don't know. I think that they have this game, right? I mean, I think the Texans, to me, are just always one of those teams that's like, yeah, it was great to see you in the wild card round, and we'll see you guys again next year, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I mean, I think that they do some things well. I don't know if they defensively have the, the ability to match up with the Chiefs, even as whatever you want to call it, hobbled as they've been. Uh, and the Chiefs have gotten some time, too, to get over some of this stuff, too. And they won largely because of Watson's heroics yeah. over a Bills team that made a lot of mistakes, right? That game could have easily gone either way. And Watson can do that. He gives you a chance to win any game. But you can't rely on his heroics to get Correct. you win in every round so I, I, I I'm with you Connor I, I like the Chiefs in this game as well and you know what I is I was a loud probably the loudest critic out of anybody about this move but Steve Spagnuolo has worked out really well there like it is a much better defense and it's a much different defense and he's got some good ideas and he's coached in big games obviously so I don't know I'm interested to see their defense in particular that's the biggest difference from last year you know I think Mahomes had some injuries early in the season obviously and has um, kind of gotten back into form in the second half of the season and the defense has gotten steadily better so I do think despite some of the early bumps they're in a better spot right now than they were last year yeah so we have uh, uh, our our final segments to go plus the new ah, bachelor segment which Jenny brilliantly named what are we calling it can I steal you for a second <laughs> I love that. It's my favorite thing ever. So uh, we'll get to all that in a minute, but we're uh, just going to take one quick break. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? 
good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, before we get to Can I Steal You for a Second, the greatest new segment on the Weekside podcast, uh, Prediction time, uh, and uh, again, it's been a struggle this year. Everyone knows my track record, but um, I'm going to take my prediction for the Oracle and say that the Browns are not hiring Josh McDaniels for their head coaching job, and I think that McDaniels' return to New England will sort of start sowing the seeds of familiarity and everything will be fine there and back to normal, and I think that they're actually going to be committed to waiting this thing out and making an interesting decision, hiring one of the hot sort of playoff coordinators. I think is going to be their move. I like that. I, I concur with you, Connor. I think that's a very good oracle. And I have to say, didn't you say a couple weeks ago there would be a hire that came out of the blue? And I think Joe Judge is that hire. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I said that my qualification for it, which again, you know, made me upset because I, I wrote a list of 25 potential candidates and I said, I guess the surprise would not be on that list. But I think that's more of a reflection of me not putting him on my list, Joe Judge, right? I mean, oh, I don't think so. It's probably I a bad job not putting him on the list. I don't think so. It's no. definitely it was a surprise hire. So I think you get a, a plus mark and You'll give Oracle. me a half, a half a point for yes, that? Yes, I, I would like to give you a half a point. Okay. Maybe three quarters of a point. All right. Feeling like generous. Benevolent. <laughs> wow. That's great. Uh, so stretching off that uh, obviously every week we get Jenny's Frentis consensus something we can all agree on we're heading into the playoffs uh, I don't know what do you got for us this week really need to fix the all pro yes balance. this is my Frentis consensus oh. so I voted I guess the last three years or so and every year there's some kind of frustration with how we categorize the ballots the ballots were redone a couple years ago to add the extra defensive back who could be a nickel defender but they also created this flex position which was a move to eliminate the fullback because mo many teams do not have fullbacks and to add essentially a second or uh, another, an additional offensive player mm -hmm. that's a non-quarterback. The problem with the flex position is the definition of it is can vary widely. Basically, it's your next best running back receiver or tight end who's not on your ballot. So this year, for instance, I put Christian McCaffrey as my first team running back, and then I was debating between Derrick Henry and Travis Kelsey for my flex. It's a weird thing because... On defense, the extra DB generally is somebody who – it's a nickel defender, like right. generally a slot guy. So I voted for Tyron Matthew, who plays half of his snaps as safety, half of his snaps as a nickel defender. And I felt good about that because it helped me get an extra player who deserved to be on the ballot – on the ballot, right? right? So, you know, it, it helped me give Matthew a vote in addition to the two all-pro safeties I was picking. Uh, so on offense, though, the flex is just too big of a... And I think because of that, we got the situation we had this year where Christian McCaffrey was first-team all-pro running back and first-team flex. And I think it's embarrassing. And the easiest fix, which Peter King and I were discussing this in the press box in Foxborough, the easiest fix would be if the person who gets the most flex votes is also on the ballot somewhere else, then you just move to the next one. And I, I do think that's the clearest thing. The other option would be to sharpen the definition of that. But I don't exactly know how you would. As I was voting, I said, is the flex position supposed to be somebody who is in a hybrid role? And the answer I got back was, no, it's just, you know, running back, tight end, wide receiver, like your next best one. So I think a lot of people put what I think the reason McCaffrey ended up as a flex for people was trying to fit in a hybrid player. And then people went with Derrick Henry, who was the rushing title winner as their first team all pro running back. The reason I didn't do that was I thought Christian McCaffrey should be the first team all pro running back. Right. So I figured I would take care of the flex later. In any event, needs to be some streamlining to avoid this mistake. We also have the perennial issue, which Andy Benoit and I always bang the table about, is the linebacker edge situation. Yes. There's only two edge players who make all pro, but there's three linebackers. And they... Leave it to teams to say where a player can be designated. So if you have a guy who plays a lot on the edge and you're a team PR person, you would want him to be voted in the linebacker category because there's a better chance that he would stand out among the inside linebackers in terms of things like sack total. And also because there's three linebacker spots and there's only two edge spots. So there's a big inconsistency there and it allows teams to kind of play the odds and say, hey, like Kyle Van Noy can be a linebacker. 
which in any reality, Kyle Van Noy plays edge, but I put Van Noy as a linebacker on my ballot because that's what I was instructed to do. So I think there's a lot of ways in which the ballot can be cleaned up a little bit. And maybe this is a rant that only I care about, no. but I don't think anyone wants to see the same player at two spots because all pros shape legacies. They're on your resume. It, it really is an important part of a player's legacy as opposed to the Pro Bowl, which we all know is kind of haphazard. But all pro does mean something. And I think our goal should be to get the as many of the top players on the roster as possible. So having a repeat just really muddies the whole process. It's it's a great point. I mean, I think Khalil Mack was the first time that we realized a couple years ago, right, that we need to evolve with the game in the voting voting process. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Every year there seems to be one person that everyone's like, what is going on here? But Mm -hmm. modernize. Modernize. We have to modernize. That's a consensus I think we can all get on the Modernize analytics, you know. Throw (laughs) throw it out there, Connor. (laughs) All right, Jenny, can I steal you for a second because... The Bachelor premiered last night. Peter is getting his chance to mend the heart that Hannah B. stomped on so viciously last season uh, when she eventually chose her fake husband, Jed, who was lying about everything. Uh, you know, uh, bad musician, too. Terrible uh, all around. Dog food jingle writer, Jed. And uh, so I don't know. There was a three-hour premiere last night, which was uh, Difficult daunting. Difficult to get through. Daunting. Yeah. It was as long as The Irishman on Netflix, but for some reason- Wow. Know, that really puts well, it in not, context. Uh, Irishman's a little bit longer. Okay. I think Irishman's like three and a half hours. Okay. But, I mean, it's- Oh, my god. This was longer than most feature films, you know? But uh, I, my immediate takeaway, uh, and I, I think I'm going to get crushed for saying this, I have two kind of immediate takeaways. One, uh, I fear- Peter cannot carry a season. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit worried about that. I don't know about the strength of his personality. And two, um, I loved the gimmick of bringing back Hannah B to try to re- rekindle that that love. They admitted that they cared about each other. But I was pounding the table last night and saying, Peter, if, if you love her, go get her. You know, she's right there. Make a play for it. But all along, it was just, oh, why didn't you call me? You live 20 minutes away. And Hannah, good for her, said, you know what, Peter? You didn't call me either. You know? She did say that. You I didn't did. call me either. So so make a play, Peter. This is your TV show. You can do it right now. Invite her back to the house and make her fight it out. Wow. I, I need to I need to offer a mea culpa to Connor because yesterday in the office oh. I just was like, you know, this can of thing. She's just gonna come and wish him good luck and leave. And so here I am watching the show and feeling all smug. Be like, <laughs> Connor's not a veteran bachelor watcher. You know, he doesn't know how this works. She comes, she gives him back the wings, and of course she's on her merry way. So I'm like, see, Connor, this is how it works. I didn't foresee <laughs> that homegirl was gonna be back in like the group date scene. And then, first of all, I was trapped by the three hours and I fast forwarded through much of the middle. So I had to get to the end before today's show. So I see her crying in the dressing room with Peter. Now, this is more drama than I thought. The previews, I thought it was just, you know, come, good luck, bye, because that often happens with other contestants. But this is a lot, and it's going to turn into something that Peter's going to have to explain to his other contestants. Yeah. Because if they, you know, they'll watch that scene now, and if he's engaged to somebody, they would not be happy by that. Because he clearly is a man who is not ready to be dating 30 other women like he clearly <laughs> needs to resolve his feelings for hannah and then come on the show in another season but that's not where they're at right now i know this is no longer about finding love it's a, this just seems to be a television spectacle 
You know, Connor, this is a little bit like the head coach hiring cycle. Yes, I was just going to say that. It's just so fast, and like you got to keep pace, and you got to make snap decisions, and you don't get to fully explore what you might have with any one candidate. And Peter is like one of the McVeigh assistants, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, boy, I I don't know about this. This seemed like a good idea at the time, and now we're here, and we're a little nervous that he might actually be able to to do this on his own. Uh, One thing I noticed about- That's great. (laughs) That's great, Connor. (laughs) One thing that like tripped me up last night, and I liked that because I you started about forty minutes behind me, and so I had like a series of tweets about it, and I liked like forty minutes later you started liking the ones like <laughs> as you saw them going by, which right. made me feel very good about. Um, I'm new to bachelor tweeting, so I felt good about it. My engagement was not exactly what I had hoped, but I feel like I had the right idea mostly um, tweeting about the show. But uh, the thing that startled me the most, and if I'm Peter is an immediate thing, I could have cut half the contestants out yesterday. When you're coming out of the limo, why are you doing an airplane bit? Like, everybody else is going to do an airplane bit. Like, totally. were you sitting there being like, no, I'm going to be the only one that does an airplane bit. And then in a mediocre airplane bit, because the one woman actually got waved in by the pilot, by the air traffic control. Smart. I thought that was a smart move. A cute thing. Something he's going to remember. Everybody else was just like, you know, there was nine flight attendants. Uh, he's not going to be amused by that the third or fourth time. You know, if, if you're a contestant on the show, do a little bit of research, you know, come on. I do think the producers have input on what their opening routine uh, is, and they probably teed that up. To do the montage of, I'm a flight attendant, yes, I'm a flight yes. attendant. And okay. I also noticed, because this was a three-hour premiere, and there was not just the first night, but then the second, the first set of dates, so the introductions were a little more jammed. Like, they generally spend more time, and you see more of the intro, so mm-hmm. I do think there were more non-flight-related intros that we didn't see, but I was actually pretty relieved not to see all of the intros, because, like... You just, you don't, the names don't stick with you anyway, and it becomes kind of a meaningless part of the season. But one interesting thing about that is, do you think, like, when they're editing this, they know who the winner is? So, like, do you think that they're, of course, going to show the intro, the first interaction between Peter and the winner? So, I believe that the winner has got to be one of the intros that they show. It's not going to be a person they skipped over. That's a great point. So, we probably already know, I don't know how many intros did they show. I mean, it was a large percentage of it, probably 15 to 20, but you can at least, you know. That's a great point. Right? Yeah. I I feel like this is only my second season, so I'm not used to the directions that they try to take you in emotionally. I feel like the, the woman that he knows previously from meeting in the hotel lobby is a red herring. I feel like that's okay. that's yeah. something that they're like, no, it's going to be her. And then, whoa, at some minute, they're just going to yank her out. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like that's a red herring. I feel like... Um, like there were so many people in the Bachelorette last year where I was just like, oh, this is a slam dunk. Like you know, you work with underprivileged. You know, you're just like the the, the golden human being, and then they end up just kicking them all out. You know, at the end, which I was very surprised. Right, about. you realize it just comes down to what the opening scenes were of this season, which was like, oh my God, Peter is delicious. Yes. So that that works both ways. I would say that if I had to introduce a uh, candidate that I thought didn't get enough buzz, but uh, is is someone that okay. I thought uh, is a strong contestant, I would say Tammy from Syracuse, house flipper, weightlifter, uh, jujitsu person. I think right they showed her like flipping yes, somebody over yes, as well. Yes, correct. Um, Tammy from Syracuse. 
Dark horse. Kid. All right. So Tammy's your Dave Tobe. <laughs> Generally, the batch, bachelor, bachelorette cycles go like the Cleveland Browns. They're on to the next in a year or so. <laughs> Peter is hoping he finds his Bill Belichick. But mm. then 20 years in, we could be speculating about their future anyway. So <laughs> nothing is guaranteed in football or in love, Connor. <laughs> I was going to ask you another question, but that's the perfect way to end this. There's just really no other way to end this. That was absolutely perfect. Well, we'll cut to the credits then. Thanks, Connor. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave us a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so. Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.